Part One, Chapter Twelve of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. The Countess was now so tired of receiving that she gave orders not to admit any more visitors, and the Swiss was told to invite anyone else who came to return to dinner. The Countess was anxious to have a confidential talk with the friend of her childhood, the Princess Anna Mikhailovna whom she had scarcely seen since her return from Petersburg. Anna Mikhailovna, with her rather sad but pleasant face, drew her chair near to the countess. "'I will be perfectly frank with you,' said she. "'We have very few of our old friends left, and that's why I prize your friendship so highly.' She glanced at Viera and paused. The countess pressed her hand. Then, turning to her eldest daughter, who was evidently not her favorite, she said, Vera, haven't you any perception at all? Cannot you see that you are in the way? Go to your sisters, or... The handsome Vera smiled scornfully, evidently not feeling the least offended. If you had only told me sooner, Mamenka, I should have gone immediately, said she, and she left the room. But as she was going past the divan room, she saw that two couples were snugly ensconced in the embrasures of the two windows, she paused and smiled satirically. Sonya was sitting close by Nikolai, who was copying some verses in her honor, the first he had ever written. Boris and Natasha were sitting in the other window, and stopped talking as Viera passed. Both of the girls looked up at her with guilty, yet happy faces. It was both amusing and touching to see these two girls, so head over ears in love, but the sight of them evidently did not rouse pleasant thoughts in Viera's mind. "'How many times have I asked you not to touch my things?' said she. "'You have your own room.' And she took the inkstand away from her brother. "'Wait a minute, wait a minute,' said he, dipping his pen. "'You always succeed in doing things at just the wrong time,' exclaimed Viera. "'There you come running into the drawing-room, so that everyone was mortified on your account.' In spite of the fact, or perhaps because what she said was perfectly true, no one made her any reply, and all four only exchanged glances among themselves. Viera lingered in the room, holding the inkstand in her hand. "'And how can such young things as Natasha and Boris, and you two, have secrets? It's all nonsense.' "'Well, what concern is it of yours, Viera?' asked Natasha, in a gentle voice, defending herself." She was evidently more than ordinarily sweet, and well disposed to everyone just at the time. "'It's very stupid,' said Viera. "'I blush for you. What sort of secrets?' "'Everyone has his own. We don't disturb you and Berg,' said Natasha, hotly. "'I suppose you don't disturb me,' said Viera, "'and because you can't find anything improper in my behavior. But I'm going to tell Mamenka how you behave to Boris.' "'Natalia Ilyanishna behaves very well to me,' said Boris. "'I cannot complain of it.' "'Stop, Boris. You are such a diplomat.' The word diplomat was in great vogue among the young people, with a special meaning which they gave to it. "'It's very annoying,' said Natasha, in an offended and trembling voice. "'Why should she worry me so? "'He will never understand such things,' she added, turning to Viera. "'Because you never were in love with anyone.' You have no heart. You are only Madame de Genise. 
this was a nickname considered very insulting which had been first applied to viera by nikolai and your chief pleasure is to cause other people annoyance you may flirt with berg as much as you please she said spitefully well at all events you don't find me running after a young man in the presence of visitors there now you have done what you wanted interrupted nikolai you have said all sorts of unpleasant things and disturbed us all let's go to the nursery all four like a frightened bevy of birds jumped up and flew out of the room it's you who have been saying unpleasant things but i haven't said anything to anyone cried viera madame de genlis madame de genlis shouted the merry voices from the other room through the open door the handsome viera who found a sort of pleasure in doing these unpleasant and irritating things smiled evidently undisturbed by what was said of her went to the mirror and rearranged her sash and hair as she caught a glimpse of her pretty face she became to all appearances cooler and more self-satisfied meantime the ladies in the drawing-room continued their talk ah cher said the countess in my life tu ne parles i cannot help seeing that at the rate we are going our property will not hold out much longer and then his club and his easy ways even if we live in the country how much rest do we get theatricals hunting and heaven knows what all but what's the use of my talking now tell me how you manage to get along i often marvel at you annette how is it that you at your time of life fly about so in your carriage alone in moscow in petersburg to all the ministers to all the notables and succeed in getting around them all i marvel at it now tell me how do you do it i cannot understand it at all ah my dear heart replied the princess anna mikhailovna may god forbid that you ever learn by experience what it is to be left a widow and without any protector with a son whom you adore you get schooled to everything she went on to say with some pride my lawsuit has given me a great experience if i need to see any bigwig i write a note princess untel desires to see such and such a person and i myself go in a hired carriage twice three times four times until i get what i need it is a matter of indifference to me what they think of me well now how was it whom did you apply to for borenka asked the countess there he is already an officer of the guard and my nikolushka is going merely as a yunker there was no one to work for him whom did you ask prince vasily he was very kind he immediately consented to do all in his power and he laid the matter before the emperor said the princess anna mikhailovna entirely forgetting in her enthusiasm all the humiliation through which she had passed for the attainment of her ends prince vasily must have aged somewhat queried the countess i have not seen him since our theatricals at the rumyatsovs i suppose he has entirely forgotten me il m'a fusé la cour she added with a smile he is just the same as ever replied anna mikhailovna polite and full of compliments his head hasn't been turned at all by his elevation i am grieved that it is such a small thing to do for you my dear princess said he you have only to command me 
No, he's a splendid man, and a lovely relative to have. But you know, Nathalie, my love for my boy, I don't know what I would not do for his happiness. But my means are so small for doing anything, continued the princess, in a melancholy tone, lowering her voice. They are so small that I am really in a most terrible position. My unlucky lawsuit eats up all that I have, and is no nearer to an end. I have nothing, you can imagine it, a la lette. I haven't a kopeck, and I don't know how I shall get Boris his uniform. She drew out her handkerchief and began to weep. I must have five hundred roubles, and all I have is a twenty-five rouble bill. That's the position I am in. I have only one hope now. In Kirill Vladimirovich Buzakoy. If he will not help out his godson, for you see, he stood sponsor to Boris, and grant him something for his support, that all my pains will have been lost. I shall not have enough to pay for his uniform. The countess shed some sympathetic tears, and sat silently pondering. "'Maybe it's a sin,' said the princess. "'But I often think, there is Count Kira Buzakoy, living alone, that enormous fortune, and why does he live on? Life is a burden for him, while Boris is only beginning to live.' "'He will probably leave something to Boris,' said the countess. "'God only knows, cher ami. These rich men and grandees are so selfish,' But, nevertheless, I am going right away to see him with Boris, and I am going to tell him plainly how things are. Let them think what they please of me. It is all the same to me, when my son's fate depends upon it. The princess got up. It is now two o'clock, and you dine at four. I shall have plenty of time to go there. And with the decision of the true Petersburg lady of business, who knows how to make the best use of her time, she called her son and went with him to the entry. "'Good-bye, dear heart,' she said to the countess, who accompanied her to the door. "'Wish me luck,' she added in a whisper, so that her son might not hear. "'So you are going to Count Kirill Vladimirovich, ma chère,' said the count, coming out from the dining-room into the entry. "'If he is better, ask Pierre to come and dine with me. You see, he used to be here a great deal, and danced with the children.' Now we shall see how splendidly Taras will do by us today. He declares that Count Orloff never had such a dinner as we are going to have. End of chapter 12